You are listening to the Market Beautifully podcast, episode number 19. Welcome to the Market Beautifully podcast, a show where I offer marketing advice for lady entrepreneurs who crave to crack the code when it comes to getting noticed or expanding their brand online. I'm your host, Haley, and I can't wait to chat with you about what I have planned for today's episode. Marketing metrics are really intimidating. I get it. I mean, there are all these numbers and what the heck do they even mean and what should you even be paying attention to and there are just so many things to track. I feel ya. I was in the same boat before, but let me tell ya, numbers are so important and that's why I brought on Nicole Hogland who is freaking fantastic and she's going to talk to us all about having confidence around your marketing metrics. We aren't only diving in into what types of metrics to track, but also we're gonna dive into how to view your metrics as a challenge, as well as a story that is telling you some invaluable information about your business that you may be currently missing. Now, before we go hang out with Nicole, I do want to mention that I have a video series, a free video series for you guys. So you can go sign up at marketbeautifully.com slash SEO. It is called the Make Google Play Nice series, and it's four days worth of videos that are going to teach you the just basic principles on how to make Google play nice with your business and brand so that you're not falling behind, so that you're not letting those roadblocks, those SEO roadblocks stand in your way of having a search engine presence because that is definitely not what I want for your business. So let's get on the make Google play nice bandwagon and sign up at marketbeautifully.com slash SEO. I would love to see you there. There are some amazing videos. I brought on a videographer to record this specifically so that the videos would just be on the utmost quality. They're so easy to watch. They're uh, only five to 10 minutes long, if that. They're pretty short, but they provide a lot of value for your business. So I'm excited again to have you sign up for the Make Google Play Nice series. I can't wait to get your feedback. Please tell me what you think. I always love hearing what all of you lovely ladies have to say about the content I create because I create this for you. So please give me your feedback. Please sign up. Can't wait to hear about it. Now let's go hang out with Nicole together. Nicole, I'm so glad you're here on the show. Welcome. I'm super excited to be here. Yes. Thanks so much for coming on. Now, before we start diving into numbers, analytics, and all this awesome information that is going to make us a million times better as business owners, please let us in on what you do and what you are currently working on. So I am actually a confidence coach for entrepreneurs and executives, but my background is in corporate marketing. I did it for 10 years before I made the transition to coaching. And basically what I help my clients understand is shifting the thought process around what they're doing within their marketing or business plans from negative to positive. Because I know that there are a ton of people out there that probably look at their business plan or look at their marketing plan and think, I have absolutely no idea what these numbers mean. I have absolutely no idea if this means I'm successful. But in all honesty, once you kind of break it down and understand what those numbers mean, you have more confidence to actually implement the plans that you're doing in your business and also confidence in yourself to make the right decision for your business. Um, So that is currently what I'm working on right now. I'm strictly just a coach. Um, but I use a lot of my marketing background to kind of hone in on what my client pain points are. Yeah, and you said marketing background. Where did you get the background? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I am a self-taught marketer. I okay. got a degree in communications and public relations, but back in, oh God, 
2007 when I graduated is when the online marketing industry really started to kind of take a life of its own. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to see it go from people who still thought direct mailing was like the best possible <laughs> thing since sliced oh, bread to, yeah, yeah. to basically what it is now. Um, and mm -hmm. I've been um, inbound marketing certified, HubSpot certified, Google AdWords certified. So it just, I've been able to really kind of dig in from the ground up in what the marketing industry is right now and understand it from a different side than people who maybe went to school for marketing. Um, and that's kind of where I feel like my zone of genius is because I'm not really stuck in the books of it all. I like mm -hmm. to see everything and see how it applies. Yeah, honestly, I'm not a big fan of, I mean, I'm also obviously a big fan of college degrees. I graduated from college. But mm -hmm. uh, the self-taught title is more important to me than someone that got a degree because you have experience and <laughs> honestly it let's say I was a boss I would much rather hire someone or use someone that is self-taught if they have an awesome portfolio uh, or you know portfolio or experience than someone that has a degree because coming from college I see the book side of learning and you just don't learn as much and so getting out there and getting your hands dirty in the field of marketing is just so much more powerful than reading a bunch of marketing books, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. or, or doing a bunch of case studies, because you know, mm -hmm. honestly, the case studies that they're doing now, they go back to like the 1970s. In the right. 70s, they didn't have all of this online technology stuff. Yeah. They didn't have all of these tools and systems to help you with actually growing your business. Right. And I personally think when you get out of college, the degree is nice because you've learned some things, mm -hmm. but you really need to understand what you want to do in your career. And that yes. is only learned through experience. I exactly. wouldn't start, a, I wouldn't have been a coach if I just stuck with the marketing aspect of it. If I went to school for marketing, mm -hmm. my journey is my journey because I was able to dive into everything I wanted to pursue and kind of figure out the way it's going to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with the importance of measuring your marketing metrics. I feel like this is a pretty good place to start. Uh, why mm -hmm. is this even a thing? Why can't I focus on what I love doing and push the numbers aside? <laughs> because if you're not looking at the numbers, you're not actually giving yourself the validation that your business is actually a business. Mm -hmm. If you were to just go about doing things all the time and, you know, making quote unquote sales or getting people to come to your website, but not looking at the numbers, it's not going to give you the, the solid tangible facts of how people are seeing your business online. If you're just doing the things to do the things, but the numbers scare you, that's fine. But looking at the numbers is going to validate where they're coming to your website, what they're actually looking at and what those numbers mean for your business if they're converting. And if they're not converting, what can you do to better your business to make sure that you're giving your customers either the content or service and products that they want. Yeah, that's, and mm -hmm. that's so important to start uh, using those metrics to your advantage. And we'll talk about the different metrics that you need to track later on, but just making sure that you're set up to track too. I want to start there because let's say for instance, Google analytics, which we're definitely going to dive in deeper to, but um, st for starters, if you don't have a way to track those stats, like let's say you have a website up, but you don't even have Google Analytics installed on your website, that is the first place to start right here because you want to make mm -hmm. sure that those numbers are going to be tracked when people come on your website. That way you can collect data. So be at a point right now, if you aren't right now at that point, is to start collecting that data. Make sure your business is in a place to where your website is tracking all those visitors 
collecting um, all the data of where they're going, what pages they're staying on, what the bounce rate is, which again, we'll talk about that. But uh, social media, social media typically is already analyzing um, your data if you're on the business accounts that they have for you. Um, but also email marketing, make sure you understand the different metrics for your email marketing and that you have a platform that is easy to understand, like it gives you um, easy reports to consume when you're looking at your open rate and all of that data. So starters, <laughs> let's make sure mm -hmm. that we can start collecting the data before we analyze the data. Yes. Exactly. And if you're if you're in the process of starting your business, this is a really good foundation to set because if you are starting to look at the numbers from the get go, it's going to be something that you're familiar with and you'd force yourself to do on a weekly, monthly, you know, daily basis, even if that's how you want to look at it. For anyone listening to you, if you've been in business and that foundation hasn't been been set from today on, just make sure that you set that foundation, you get that Google okay. Analytics plugin put in, you figure out what email marketing system you wanna use because if you're just emailing from Google, there's a whole other set of issues from there. Um, so make sure you're, yeah, make sure you're figuring out what platforms you need in order to make sure you're able to analyze as of tomorrow. Exactly, and your numbers and metrics tell a story that you need to be paying attention to. This is so crucial to know because uh, you don't want to miss out on this story. I'm just going to go to Google Analytics. Let's like, let's go to this example. So let's say mm -hmm. that on my website, there are people that weren't really resonating with my about page. And it's telling me a story that let's say six people that were on my website that day. I mean, obviously there are more than six people. <laughs> That's not a realistic <laughs> number, but let's shoot low. So six people that are on my about page and every single one of those six people didn't care for it. They immediately hopped off that about page. It didn't resonate with them at all. They're telling you a story and those numbers and metrics can point that out to you that said, hey, your about page needs some work, chick. It's not it's not working for you. So if you're missing that story, then then that's just the number one step is let's make sure you are set up to hear the story. That way we can start analyzing what these metrics are saying and improve on them. That way your marketing not only grows, but also just your website and your presence online in general. Exactly. And when it comes to being able to be set up to look at those numbers, if there's a fear around that because you feel like those numbers are going to tell you a story that's not necessarily quote unquote good, mm -hmm. I'm I want you to challenge that because those numbers are not meant to scare you. Those numbers are not meant to tell you you are a failure or you, you haven't been successful successful in business, they're really just there to guide you in the best way possible to grow your business so that your story is being seen by more and more people and they're taking action and engaging in some way. And that's all that it really is meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So Google Analytics, what do we need to start making sure that we're looking at and what kind of like metrics do we need to um, keep in mind when we're looking at all of this data? Mm-hmm. So for anyone who's beginning, the three things that I always say that you want to look at when you come to your back end of Google Analytics is you want to look at the bounce rate, you want to look at the page views on each specific page, and then you want to look at the user flow. Because what that's going to tell you is it's going to tell you how many people are coming to each set of those pages, how many people are bouncing off that page, and then from the user flow, when they come to your website, what's that journey that they're taking? Are they actually taking action and going through your website and starting on the homepage and figuring out what you're about? 
or are they falling off on a specific page? Because that's going to tell you where you need to work on, whether it's content, whether it's calls to action, or whether it's just different buttons they need to click to take a different journey to give you a better idea of how you can improve your website in general. And while those are basic things, they really do help you see how your website's performing in the sense of what are these people doing on my website? What actions are they taking? And then from there, how can I get them to convert and to potentially leave their customers? Mm -hmm. Because there always wants to be a call to action on each page because you're taking them through a journey and each page has a specific action in that journey that they're taking. So if you're just starting out, those are the three that I always recommend to look at because they're not scary, but they don't get too far into the weeds that Google Analytics can actually take you on mm -hmm. um, to make sure that you understand how your website's functioning. Yeah, I love that you said journey. That's such a good word to describe this. Um, I'm actually creating a program right now called the Journey Driven Funnel, and it's all about taking your clients on a journey and being genuine about it. And I feel like that's kind of what the word journey um, that's why I connect to it. It's just being genuine with all of your community and just taking them on this this awesome journey of free value and content and leading them to uh, working with you or, you know, like mm -hmm. booking Nicole as a coach or, you know, uh, joining uh, the Joyful Pursuit Community Facebook group or, you know, whatever your big call to action is, that's kind of what you're taking them to. So tracking that journey is so important. Let's break it down even more with Google Analytics. So uh, let's just name one thing. You said user flow. Let's break that down. Mm -hmm. So with user flow, it's, this is literally probably my most favorite thing in Google Analytics because it's pretty. Um, it's not just numbers. It's actually physically a chart that shows you basically the first touch point um, in Google Analytics of where that person has found your website, whether it's the homepage or they came to it through a different page. And it's going to show you their entire journey. So from that first touch point, what was their second interaction? From that second interaction, what was their third interaction? And so on and so forth until they eventually fell off your website. And that could mean they either clicked that little X box up top or they ended up taking that action and subscribed to your email list or decided to contact you. Mm -hmm. So this chart is really going to be the place where you can see not only what that journey was, but what are those pages that you need to tweak? Because it'll show you where they fell off. It'll show you the percentage. So if they were only on your website for that first interaction, what is the highest bounce rate of that user interaction? Is it the homepage? Is it the about page? Is it the blog? Because if they didn't go through and take a second interaction, those are the pages you want to concentrate on, on really making sure there's actionable content and content like you said that's a genuine that they connect mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. because that's going to allow them to then take that second interaction to build that no like and trust factor to eventually work with you or to eventually just be a part of whatever you're trying to build um so when you look at it that way you really want a high level of interaction so second third fourth and so on because that's then going to show you that your website is actually creating that journey and if it's not it's really just figuring out how to create that journey. And it's gonna be listening to your audience and also seeing what keywords they found your website for, which is a different, which is like the next thing that you need to go do in Google Analytics and seeing what those keywords are. Cause it's gonna show you what types of content you could be providing for them if you're not providing it for them already. Yeah, you mentioned bounce rate. Uh, you're measuring the bounce rate of each page. What's a bounce rate? So a bounce rate is going to give you a percentage of how many people actually stayed on your page versus how many people left it. 
Um, and you really want your bounce rate to be higher in the people who stayed on your page as versus the people who left it. Because when you're seeing it, you want people to actually stay on your page. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like 30 seconds Google needs you to be on a page for it to not be yeah. a bounce rate. Yeah, um, yeah. So if you're really engaging people, that's where Google is actually going to give you a higher percentage, not only in their algorithm, mm -hmm. but in the sense of knowing that people are like understanding and relating to your brand um, because their search engine is getting super, super smart. And now it's not just the keywords that are on your page, but it's everything that correlates to your brand. It's everything that's going on. Um, it's mm -hmm. almost like a living, working, breathing human being, even though it's technology. Um, <laughs> yes. So when it comes so when it comes to your bounce rate, you really want to see what that correlation is. If they're falling off, if they're bouncing off your page, which is kind of where the term bounce mm -hmm. rate came from, you want to then dive in and see did it, how many seconds were they on your page? Was it longer than 10? Was it shorter than 30? You know, when you actually look at the content on your page, can you scroll for longer than 30? Does it mm -hmm. take you longer than 30 seconds to read your content? Because if you're not giving them enough, that's another aspect where you can expand upon that content because it might just be you're giving them something, but it takes them so short to read it. They want more, but they can't find it. So they're leaving the page to go find it somewhere else. So they're bouncing off your website to go find it in another place. So that's where you can start creating more long form content for them to keep being on that page. So the bounce rate's a little bit less than people who are engaging. Um, and really when you look at it, a good percentage rate, especially for the creative industry, is having a 40% bounce rate and a 60% kind of return rate. Yeah. Um, and I know that kind of, yeah. And I know that might sound a little bit weird, but if you're seeing on your page that 50% of people are staying and 40% of people are bouncing, you, you're golden, you're made. And then it's just seeing how you can keep adding that content, maybe decrease that number a little bit more. Yeah. And I want to add to that and say it depends on the page as well. So like for the about page, you obviously want people to have a low bounce rate. You want people to stay on your page. But let's say you are offering like one of my freebies is a um, 90 free stock photography images for your business. So if they were leading a uh, leaded to that page, then I would want them to hop off as quickly as possible because I just want their email. And then I want to be able to send them those free stock photography images. That's the only goal of that page. So if the goal of the page is to be like quick sign up or enroll in this workshop or whatever it is, if it's more of a call to action and you're just needing that one quick action, then you're done. It's okay if you have a high bounce rate. So keep in mm -hmm. mind the pages, look at that user flow and make sure you're really understanding, like not just saying, okay, let's make sure it has the lowest bounce rate because sometimes that may not be the case, but most of the time it definitely is the case. Just, I just wanted to add, keep in mind, depends on the page. Exactly. And that's all about what that action is supposed to be on that page. So if it's a quick action, like you said, that's fine. But I would say when you, when you're looking at it, the home page, the about page and your blog, this should be the pages that have the lowest percentage of bounce rate because you want them to stay on that page. You want them to engage. You want them to read it. Um, so if it is a higher percentage, those are the three pages you want to really kind of take action on to make sure that there's a lot of content for them to read, that it's valuable, that it's engaging, that it's building that know, like, and trust factor, mm -hmm. um, and that you're seeing that that bounce rate consistently each month becomes lower. Um, because when you're just starting out, your bounce rate might be higher, and that's perfectly 100% okay. It's as your website's been on there for longer, and as you get more people to come to your website, 
that your bounce rate will start to actually go lower. So that, that's also another thing to take into consideration is how long have you had your website for? How long has that Google Analytics been crawling it? Because the longer it's been on there, the lower your bounce rate should be. The shorter it's been on there, it is perfectly fine for it to be a higher bounce rate. It might just take maybe three, six or 12 months to kind of see that effective change. Yes, I love that. And mm -hmm. I feel like the user flow is the biggest thing to make sure to keep your eyes on whenever it comes to Google Analytics. I feel like that's what I'm getting out of that. Is that a, mm -hmm. right? It, okay. it is because you can, there are so many things that you can do with Google mm -hmm. Analytics that if it's overwhelming for you, the user flow is going to be a really good place for you to start to get comfortable with those numbers because it's going to allow you to see that success that you're taking with your website. It's going to allow you to see how good your journey is and then you can kind of go into the weeds with everything else because mm -hmm. if you have a really solid foundation with that it's going to be easier for you to understand what the other numbers mean yes love it so let's move mm -hmm. on to email marketing what numbers do we need mm -hmm. to focus on there those you need to focus on everything absolutely 100 <laughs> percent, all of the numbers mm -hmm. because this is what is you own your email list your email list is not going anywhere unless they decide to unsubscribe Amen. so here is yes here is where you need to look at everything. But if you're kind of worried about what to look at, look at the open rate, look at the deliverability rate, and also look at the click-through rate because these three numbers to start out with are gonna give you a good sense of how engaged is your email list. Mm -hmm. You can have a thousand people on your email list, you can have a hundred people on your email list. But if your list is not engaged, that's where you need to figure out where the disconnect is. Are these people just signing up for your email list to sign up but never taking an action? Or are they signing up and each week they're consistently clicking open, they're clicking on whatever links you give them, and then they're taking whatever action you ask them, whether it's replying to the email or signing up for a webinar, because it's the engagement that's really going to matter here. Um, I always say if you have 100 people on and 20 of them aren't engaged, have no problem scrubbing that list because you're going to then take that open rate and that um, deliverability rate. And as you, even though it's only 80 people, it's going to be a higher percentage for you, which is really going to show you that your numbers are better than if you kept those 20 people on that email list. Um, from there, you actually want to start tracking conversions. Did they actually go to um, the website, click whatever you wanted them to do and convert? Um, and that's where having bit.ly links in your email is going to really help because it's going to show you that journey as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I think the most important metric to track whenever it does come to email marketing is click-through rate. And I talk about this in the Convert and Monetize Your List course. Um, it's, it's so important because let's say, I mean, tw only 20 people open up your email out of a list of 300. Um, that's okay if all of those people convert it. Now, that's never going to be the case. I doubt it. That's really hard to do is to have a 100% conversion rate. But it is more important to have those conversions than it is to have those opens. And sometimes mm -hmm. those open rates are actually a little skewed because it doesn't actually deliver uh, to their inbox. So it's a little weird. And I go into depth on that in my course as well. But um, the open rates are a little weird, so don't get too caught up in that metric. Definitely look at it. Definitely analyze it. Definitely see how you can improve based on that open rate because you could change your subject headlines. You could uh, change maybe uh, the way you are um, uh, wording some things in your headline to make it not be sent in the spam folder. That may be your problem is being sent to the spam folder. So uh, just looking at those open rates and definitely um, 
you know, seeing how you can shift some things around, but mm -hmm. click-through rate is golden. That's a golden metric for email marketing, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the things, too, when it comes to email marketing specifically, too, and this is just like a point because you actually made me think of it when you're like, the open rate's probably a little bit skewed. Mm -hmm. If you have a ton of images or you use templates, I would recommend stopping that and kind mm -hmm. of going more towards just a lot of content and text. Because the filters are getting a lot smarter, mm -hmm. and if you have a ton of, of pictures with very little content, they immediately ding that as promotion, and it will either get sent to the promotion spam on Google or in the spam box. Yep. So be comfortable with the fact that your email might not be pretty, but it's value-packed with unbelievable content that makes them want to convert into something. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the click-through as well, if you're seeing that your click-through isn't as high, it's actually just scattering the links a little bit more in your email. If you only have the link at the bottom of the email and you're not seeing that conversion, put maybe two or three more links within the email that makes sense to the context that you're writing and put it higher, push it to the top because most of the time people are just skimming things. So bolding, highlighting, and making sure that link is easily accessible for them is going to help that click-through rate and that conversion rate. Yeah. You'll see top marketers nowadays, and they don't have pretty templates. It's just mm -hmm. text. They have bold. They italicize. You know, they, they do their formatting, like you talked about, Nicole. But they don't have pretty images. They don't have any of that crap. And the reason why is because they don't want to be sent into the spam folder because they want higher open rates, which lead to higher click-through rates, which lead to conversions. So it's mm -hmm. so important to understand that. And I know it may kill you inside hearing this, going, no, I love my pretty pictures. I understand I was there too. I was there like a year ago. I, love my, I loved my pretty pictures too. It made me feel so good sending out a beautiful, gorgeous email. But... I got sent to the spam folder, so it's not worth it because not as many people can hear that awesome message that I know you want to uh, tell your awesome audience. So it's worth it to have a less pretty email, even though it may kill you inside. Exactly. And you can put those really pretty templates, I promise, on your Instagram feed, yes. on Pinterest, on, on Facebook. Take those pretty images and put them where people are actually going to utilize them and they're not going to convert to spam. Um, because yes. that's really, it's all about getting your message in front of the most, most amount of people that then help you convert. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to conversion too, if you're not seeing, let's say, and this is probably an unrealistic number, a 60% conversion rate, mm -hmm. that is a little bit unrealistic, especially if you're starting out. Yeah. I would say, if, yeah, even now, like it's unrealistic for me to have a 60% that's, that's a pretty big, rate. that's a pretty large conversion yeah. rate. <laughs> But if you're seeing between, I would say, 20 and 30% conversion rate, that is a really good baseline for you to see that it's working. Mm -hmm. Then as you kind of get more people on your list, you're really targeting the audience that you want, try and see if you can bump it up to 35 to 40%. Yep. And kind of, it's almost like an addiction. Like once you see that your click-through rate is actually pretty solid, mm -hmm. it's an addiction to see how many more people you can get to convert. What are some more things that you can provide mm -hmm. them that... Because again, it's going to be the same like the website. You want to build that no like and trust. So how can you take them on that journey through that email? I love that so much and so true. So true, Nicole. Um, email marketing is so much fun. And that's why I built the course about it because it's so powerful. It's amazing what you can do with email. And I just want to go back to what you said at the very beginning is you own your email list. And let's say you have a really awesome Instagram audience. 
Um, I love my Instagram audience. I'm always hanging out on Instagram. Like, I'm obsessed with it. But Instagram could shut down tomorrow. And all of my mm -hmm. awesome Instagram stories that I'm about to share next week when I go to Florida, they would be gone. I couldn't share them. I couldn't share the fact that I was, you know, sitting on the beach. Or I couldn't share the fact that I had my latest blog post out or my latest podcast episode came out. That would suck. But you know what? I have my email list and I can always share my beach pictures with them or my uh, latest blog post or podcast episode with them mm -hmm. because I, okay, this is a terrible way of saying it, but I own them in a way instead of I'm not renting them on Instagram. Um, I, I love Instagram, but I'm renting my followers there. I don't know what Instagram's up to. I don't know the owner. I don't know what they get up planned for tomorrow or the next day. So I don't put all my eggs in that basket. I want to make sure that I have direct contact with my audience. And it's so important to start email, uh, building your email list. I know you've probably heard this a million times, but I'm just going to say it over again because it really is that important. And like Nicole's saying, it's an, it becomes an addiction. And once you see that conversion rate, you're going to have not only better sales, but you can build better automated funnels in your business. You can take your business to the next level. You can really get it going with monetizing your business to where your business is gonna start thriving. So if you're at a plateau right now, this is the perfect place to start and start, start studying those metrics so you know how to make your emails even better. Exactly. And the brilliance about email marketing too is once you really dive into it and you can see all of the awesome things you can do, you can be sleeping and your email list and your and your website are actually going to make money for you as opposed to maybe, as you said, renting those followers on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest where it could make money. But if they decided to shut down for like a couple hours, you don't know what happens with that. Or if they shut down completely, you don't know how to reach your audience that way. Your email list is going to be the place where really conversion is going to help you build that business. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also why when it comes to social metrics, I would, again, concentrate on that conversion. Did they take that action? Was your audience actually engaged in what you were putting out there? And really, that is it. As long as you are growing your following on social, that's awesome. But what's really going to matter is if you take that following and you convert them to your email list. Because just like we said, you own that. So mm -hmm. don't put too much pressure on yourself to continually grow your following on social. That is going to be great. And it's going to happen naturally yeah. as you provide more content. Mm -hmm. But what you really want to see is making sure that they're taking that action that you're actually telling them to do in, right. in social media posts. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I talk a lot about this in the Convert and Monetize Your List course, and I wish we could just go over everything today, but we only have so much time. So if, I know. You, if you want to like really dive into email marketing, then you can snag, the, snag your free seat and the e-course that I have called Convert and Monetize Your List, and you can get it at marketbeautifully.com slash list. Also, I don't know what email marketing platform you use, Nicole, but I love ConvertKit. And if you want a free month of ConvertKit, you can go to marketbeautifully.com slash ConvertKit. For anyone that's listening, because I'm obsessed with it, I schedule my emails so I can batch them ahead of time. I can segment and tag my list, and I create all my automated funnels in there. I provide awesome value, and it's so easy to set up on the back end. So what do you mm -hmm. use, Nicole? So I am actually converting over to ConvertKit right now. Okay. Um, I was I was on Mailchimp just because I am a place where in my business I don't like to come from a place of debt. So I was working my way up to yes. being able to pay for ConvertKit. Yeah. Um, but what I love about ConvertKit, and this is probably going to sound really cheesy, they don't have templates. 
they force you to not use templates. So you literally, all you have to do is provide the text. So it's taking the idea of having a design in there completely out of the game for you. And it's making sure that your email is going directly into someone's inbox as opposed to giving you the attraction of, oh, this is a really pretty template. Like, let me just do something with this. Nope, it's just content. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. I love that too because it, forces you to say, okay, got to get creative with the, with my bold and italis, italicizing options here because that's all you got. <laughs> I mean, you can mm-hmm. add images, you can add buttons, you can do that. Um, it's just not as easy as it is in MailChimp where you can just select a template and add everything else. But again, ConvertKit, I mean, I have um, email Nathan, who's the founder of ConvertKit. I mean, he talks about this all the time. He talks about um, being able to being able to craft an email to where it's not sent to the spam folder. And that's his goal because he wants everyone that uses his platform to not have those emails sent to spam folder. He wants you to be as successful as possible. So he may be forcing you a little bit along the way (laughs) to make good decisions, but you do have to be forced to make a good decision and not use those templates, even though it kills you because you got to put your pretty pictures aside. Exactly, exactly. And I think what's really nice about what they're doing with ConvertKit is it's the simplicity of it. There's not a whole ton of learning that you have to do in order to make sure that you understand it. Obviously, you can go into in-depth things and take courses and whatnot, but mm-hmm. like, really, if you are a business owner and you are doing all the things yourself, ConvertKit is really a nice, simple way to figure it out. MailChimp is kind of like that, but it's a little bit more on the back end. You have to do more work for it. ConvertKit's just easy, guys. Like, Mm -hmm. and I mean, in their name, it's ConvertKit. They're all about conversion. So I would kind of go for that as opposed to MailChimp. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you want to snag a free month, you can go to marketbeautifully.com slash convertkit. Uh, please do, because I know you're going to fall in love with it, as Nicole and I both have. So let's move mm-hmm. on to social media. Follows, mm-hmm. likes, are they important? What's up with social media metrics? So I, people are probably going to think I'm like crazy, but no, likes and follows are not important on social media. Okay. It's all about engagement, mm-hmm. 100% engagement. If you are not having people comment or really like dive into what you're providing on social media, Mm -hmm. this is where you need to take a step back and see if what you're providing is of value Mm -hmm. or if what you're providing is what you feel is valuable. Because there's a difference between what your audience finds value and what you think your audience is going to find value for. Mm -hmm. So a good way to um, figure out what that engagement is besides the comments on your post is to poll your audience. Ask them truly what they want to hear from you. And this is going to be a huge engagement metric because people love just simply clicking on a button and saying, this is what I want. And then you have information that not only you can start providing in social, but it's providing on your website that content, providing in your email list. So this is a really great place where if you know that your targeted audience is, let's say, on Facebook and they're in your Facebook group, just consistently ask them on a monthly basis what they want to hear from you, what they liked hearing from you in the past. And then this can give you a good um, base point for what you need to be providing for them in the future. Um, And really when it comes to engagement, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, the followers matter because you can't really be asking the same one person every single month, like what they like. But as you build that following, incorporate those people into it. That's why it's consistently asking them what they want, because as you go the following, new people are going to come in and have new ideas. So you want to make sure you're able to not necessarily please everyone because you can't. 
but please as many people as possible by providing that value that they're already asking for and then just following up on it. And that's where those conversions are going to happen because as they consistently see that they can trust you in providing what they want and they like you and they know you, the conversions are going to come easy for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so perfect. I love what you said because engagement is really truly what matters if you have let's say 20,000 followers on instagram but not one person comments on your photo or maybe five of those people comment on your photo that's not good that's not good Mm -hmm. guys you you have to make sure to focus on engagement and i would much rather you have an account of 200 followers and five of those people comment on your instagram that's good. That's a good percentage mm-hmm. of people that are really genuinely caring about what you're posting. Yeah. And I would actually, as a tip too, go back on your Instagram, maybe go back on your Facebook page and see where the most comments are on your last maybe month's worth of photos or month's worth of posts, because that's going to give you an insight as to what your audience is really looking for. And then you can kind of repurpose and recreate that content for them. So it's not getting lost in their feed. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know one of the things that Instagram is leaning towards more is If you don't have an engaged audience, they're actually not going to show your Instagram um, post in their feed as high as maybe some other highly engaged Instagram followers. Um, So that's really where it's if you really want to be in your Instagram feed audience's feed, you want to make sure that engagement's there. So it's going back, seeing what they were liking, what they weren't liking, and tailoring your content to that, as long as it's also aligned with your brand and what you're doing. Because you don't want to just start saying stuff just because you think that they're going to like it. It also has to be aligned with what you're doing in your business. Yeah, Yeah. be genuine about it, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So specifically, let's talk about social media algorithms. This definitely affects your um, metrics because... Um, let's let's talk about Instagram. Let's start with Instagram. I've already mentioned that one. So your business uh, versus your personal account, they have said, I'm not 100% sure if I believe this, but I'm pretty sure I do, like 98% sure, just not 100 yet, um, that you get more engagement if your business is actually a personal account and not a business account. And before, I had always told people, make sure your Instagram is a business Instagram account. You get access to analytics. You get access to this. But... I have been told by a lot of my business friends, and I haven't done this yet because I'm a little scared to test it. I don't know why I should just go ahead and do it, but um, I'm a little nervous. So I've been told that they're actually getting double the engagement uh, and likes and uh, their followers are increasing because of those hashtags they're putting out um, if they have a personal account because of Instagram's new algorithm that just switched like what, maybe a few weeks ago. They're always updating mm-hmm. their algorithm. But uh, what do you think about this? So I'm going to be that like 2% that convinces you this is 100%. Um, I used to have a business Instagram account and I wasn't growing my followers. I wasn't seeing the engagement that I wanted. And when I heard that that was actually a ding for you if you had a business account, because if you didn't advertise with them, that's where it was hurting you. If you were advertising as a business account, they would put you in front of everyone because they're making money from you. But if you weren't, that's where it was hurting you. So I switched back to a personal account. And within three weeks, I gained probably 100 new followers, which was the most I had gained within a short time frame. And there was a lot more engagement. People were finding me more and they were resonating with me more. And the amount of likes, which I know probably doesn't really count a lot, but I've been consistently getting over 100 likes on each of my posts 
which I hadn't been before. So it was making that simple switch from business to personal, which pains me because I love the analytics that they were showing me with click-throughs and whatnot. But now with Linktree, you can see the, the clicks on your links a lot easier. Yes. And you can have multiple links. So it's, it's way better than having a business account. Okay, I'm obsessed that you mentioned multiple things. I'm just going to go ahead and start with the first, and I'm probably going to forget the second, but oh my gosh, so glad you mentioned that. Um, first, Instagram. Yes, I have been gaining, I probably gain around, I don't know, 50 to 60 a, followers a day, but I'm also using a platform to help me do that, to reach out to more people, just to automate it. Uh, not mm -hmm. spammy, not spammy. <laughs> just not, not liking other people's pictures for me, um, just because I want to love on as many people as possible. <laughs> it's, it's not a spammy way of like commenting on people's posts. Hate that with a passion. People do it to mine, and I want to call them out, but I'm like, don't be nice. Be nice, Haley. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, not spammy, but I have something that's helped me go ahead and get those extra follows, but I have noticed a decrease in my engagement. And so my followers are still, you know, around 50 to 60 a day, and I'm almost to like 9,000. But I'm getting to the point where I used to have at least 300 likes, and now I'm only getting 50 or 60. I'm like, what the crap? This is, this is crazy. This is like more than half of my engagement just lost like that, like 60 or 70 percent. So I'm, I'm going to now you've convinced me I'm 100 percent. I'm gonna go switch over to personal, mm -hmm. like right after we get done talking. 100%. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> to burst your bubble, but personal, no. and you will see, your, your engagement will go up, your likes will go up, and on top of that, you'll be able to reach more people. Like, if you're if you're able to see the reach through the platform that you're using, mm -hmm. it'll reach a lot more people for you. Um, and I will say, too, like, when it comes to the personal aspect, I enjoy it more because it, it forces me to be in the app more than forcing me to be in the analytics side of it. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't necessarily have the capacity, like Haley, to have a platform that helps you grow your following, all you have to do is each day go in, maybe pick 15 minutes, scroll through your hashtags, and I challenge you to engage with 10 people a day. Yes. Comment on comment on 10 people's Instagram accounts that resonate with you and you know you can provide value for, mm -hmm. and I guarantee you your engagement's gonna go up. And it's as simple as 10 people a day. That's all that it needs to be. Yeah. I mean, you could do more if you have more time, but I know as business owners and people who work full time and all that other fun stuff, like you might not have more than 10 minutes a day, so. If you're in the grocery line, if you're at the grocery store, if you are doing whatever you are doing, pull out your phone and just engage. That's what I did. Um, I know like a few years ago when I was in college, we would have this like time where we all had to sit together and it was 30 minutes long. In that 30 minutes, I'm telling you, I was commenting and liking like crazy. And that was three years ago, but that set a found a solid foundation for my Instagram that I'm still getting rewards from today. So it's so awesome to just go ahead and do that. Go ahead and engage, go ahead and love on people and encourage people and be genuine about it. Don't be spammy about it. Um, just just because it does set a solid foundation for your Instagram and it helps you grow, it helps you gain followers, but followers that actually will engage, not followers that are just following you because you followed them, you know? Exactly. And I will say too, if you are jargoning, like racking your brain for something to post, but there is nothing that you feel like would either give value to your audience or you just don't feel like would resonate with them, that waste of your that waste of time trying to figure out what to post would be better utilized engaging to grow your following even if it's not posting every single day um and i will say with the algorithm change that happened it's not the the one that happened a couple weeks ago it's the one that happened like 
four weeks before that. Okay. Um, if you're engaging, make sure you're at least leaving like a sentence worth of words, like a, an entire sentence that provides value as opposed to maybe love this or this is awesome. Because the more, the more words you use, the higher that Instagram is actually gonna rank that valued engagement. Mm -hmm. And the more likely you'll, you'll start showing up in feeds more because they realize that you're not a bot and they realize that what you're writing is actually providing value or it's encouraging someone else. And that's really what they're kind of harping on right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great advice. I definitely encourage that as well. So let's, we're talking about encouraging people. Let's, let's talk about if you're discouraged. Let's talk about if you're discouraged about your metrics and your numbers. It's okay if you are. Mm -hmm. Everyone is at some point. It's cool. Um, how do we take action and make them better though, Nicole? Like what are some steps to do that? So here is where I kind of shine because when you're looking at your metrics and you're kind of feeling discouraged or you're feeling kind of like disheartened around things, you are going to take action by shifting that negative thought process to a positive thought process. Because when you shift it from negative to positive, you're going to realize that while the numbers might not necessarily be where they're at, there is so much that you have control over to switch it to make it better mm -hmm. as opposed to sitting in it and reveling in the fact that they're not good. Because numbers are just numbers. That is all that they are. What you have control over is how you feel about them. And if you feel that even though the numbers don't match up to what your goal was for that month, what can you do tomorrow to make sure that those numbers don't happen again in the next month's time frame? Can you blog more? Can you actually put more content on your website? Is there a page on your website that you can fix so that the engagement is higher? It, can you email more often this month than you did the last month? Mm -hmm. What happened last month that maybe prevented you from doing all of the things that I just talked about? There are so mm -hmm. many factors that go into just those particular numbers that you might've had a month where you were taking a vacation. So maybe you didn't have a system and process yeah. to email your, your contacts that, that often. Maybe this month you concentrate on getting an automation in, in process, mm -hmm. or you get something where you have guest bloggers coming on if you realize you don't have time to actually blog, but it's still gonna help with how you rank and how people find you. There are so many things you can do to get your numbers up. It's just taking a step back to see what that baseline is for what you deem successful and how you can create those systems and processes and things to help you get there as opposed to looking at it like you're a failure. Yes, gosh, this is so perfect. I love it. <laughs> love it. I, I love talking about this stuff. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and chatting with us about marketing and metrics and numbers and social media. It has been so great. Can you please let everyone know where they can hang out with you? Sure. So again, I'm Nicole Hoagland. I am the confidence coach for entrepreneurs and executives. I normally hang out on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my Instagram handle is at Nicole uh, at Nicole underscore Hoagland. Yeah. Um, my Facebook page is just Honestly Able. Um, and you can find me on my website, www.honestlyable.com. It's really where I hang out and try and provide you guys as much valuable information to grow your confidence, to grow your business. Yes, thanks again, and I will talk to you soon. So there you have it. Nicole is such an amazing business owner, and I love all of her awesome advice that she shared with us today. I cannot wait to hang out with you again next week. But until then, keep marketing beautifully and doing what you do best. <laughs>